Welcome to In Any Event, the podcast about events for event planners. The podcast is brought to you by EventSquid, registration and event management software that thinks like you and works like eight of you. I'm your host, Michael Kranitz. Let's get to it. Our guest on today's program is Jenny Sellers. She's the Global Operations Manager for Soaring Spirits International. Soaring Spirits is a nonprofit that provides peer-based resources, programs, and community for those who are widowed. And what I learned after talking with Jenny is that that includes both men and women who have lost their partners. My discussion with Jenny was fascinating. At times, I felt like Dr. Phil, and at other times, I felt like a child listening to other people's experiences that I really wasn't aware of. When you lose your partner, you go through stages of grief. That's obvious. We all know that. But Jenny's exploration and Soaring Spirits' purpose is to find out where everybody is in that journey and everybody is in a different place at a different time. Taking that along with Jenny's own personal experience in losing her fiance in 2014, coming to Soaring Spirits as a participant, and then getting so much out of the program that she became their global operations manager, well, that just makes the story that much more interesting. Jenny, welcome to the program. What is Soaring Spirits? So Soaring Spirits International is a nonprofit organization that provides peer-based resources, programs, and community for those who are widowed. So Soaring Spirits International, I mean, might have something to do with flying or or soaring through our grief is, is, what, it, is what it indicates. And, and the, the way that we soar through all of the challenges in life when we come together in community to do so. And and this is always a difficult topic for people, it would seem. So I think a good way to start out the conversation is to understand what brought you into the organization. Sure. Yeah. So six years ago in 2014, my fiance Cole drowned in the waters of San Diego Bay when he was 29 years old and when I was 31. And It was obviously the most challenging thing I've ever been through. Um, We were planning our entire futures together and he went to work one day and he never came home. And so I was so lucky to be the beneficiary of really, really involved and loving, caring, supportive friends and family members um, who rushed to be by my side, which I will say is um, a gift that I received that people who are grieving right now don't have because of the current restrictions with the pandemic. Um, But even with the best friend and family support you could ask for, I realized really early on that I needed to find people that could relate to this specific loss. Nobody that I knew had done this, especially at such a young age. Um, And so while I was very grateful for their love and support, it felt at times like they didn't know what to do with me. (laughs) And that kind of, in a, in a strange way, it made me feel a little alienated. And so it was during a late night Google search when there's no sleep to be found in the throes of early grief that um, I searched for Young Widowed Support San Diego. And Soaring Spirits popped up as one of the first hits. And it turned out that a few weeks later, they were going to be hosting their Camp Widow event uh, in San Diego, which is where I live. And I 
looked at it and I said, you know, at this point, when I found them, it was seven weeks after Cole had died. So very, very early on. And I looked at it. I said, man, this thing's in three weeks. It's a conference. It's a weekend long conference. It's just down the road, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this thing. But I decided if I could go and find one single person and one phone number that I could use to support me through the upcoming months and years, it would have been a success. And I found myself at 10 weeks post loss, walking through the doors of Camp Widow, completely lost and alone, um, hundreds of other people, (laughs) and didn't know a single other person. And um, 72 hours later, I walked out with not just one phone number, but many phone numbers, email contacts, resources, support tools, programs, and a whole enormous community of other people that I could look at and see that they were actually surviving this. And not only were many of them surviving it, they were thriving after, you know, years down the road, but there were, there was a way, there was a path forward. And 72 hours later at the end of the conference, I just, you know, it obviously wasn't fixed. Grief is never fixed, but I left feeling buoyed up and supported in a way that I could not have even imagined. And so to me personally, the Soaring Spirits programs that we offer are a lifeline. And so I started volunteering for the organization very quickly after um, my first and second enrollments at Camp Widow. And uh, over the years, I was volunteering more and more. And now I'm honored to serve as our global operations manager for the organization six years down the line. So that is quite the introduction to your organization. And I'm wondering at this point in the organization's lifespan, how many people have gone through the system and do they return? Is there sort of a membership quality to this, even though it's a club to which you do not want to belong, of course, uh, but is there a recurrence? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's actually a really great question. Yes, there is a recurrence. I mean, I myself am proof of that. I probably attended three or four different Camp Widow events before I really started volunteering heavily. But the truth of it is, is it turns almost into a family reunion because grief changes with you as you progress through it. So what you hear at you know your first event won't be the same thing you're looking for at your second event. And through the years, you're going to need different types of support, different types of information, different types of people to connect with, to support you through it. And so we typically see about um, 40% of our campers at each event are are returning campers. 60% are new campers, 40 are returning. When you say the content that you crave is different for each one of the camps, give us an example of some of those evolutionary changes? Yeah. So we actually set the program up based on time since loss. So you're always able to choose your own um, event schedule, but to make it easier for those who are very newly widowed, who might not be able to look at a list of, oh gosh, I mean, 50 different workshops across the weekend and choose and select, we break it down so that if you prefer, you can the workshops for somebody that we would suggest for somebody who's newly widowed, as opposed to somebody who might be, you know, five or 10 years down the line. 
So the difference in the types of content that is offered um, is based on, you know, for a newly widowed person, something around how to, how to promote better sleep, how to help people help you in this. Whereas somebody who's five or 10 years out might be looking for more information on getting back into the dating pool and how do they do that? And it's been so long since I've dated somebody like, where do I even begin? Or, you know, finances are a big concern as well at any point throughout this experience. And so we break it down into a track style schedule. Um, and Camp Widow is really only one of our programs. So we have several other programs that are available for um, anybody, then they're offered virtually. So if you can't join us in person, we've got tons of other support as well. Are all of the presenters widows? Widowed, yes. We support men and women. And 99.9% of our widowed um, speakers are widowed themselves. And so everything, I mean, and that's true for the organization as a whole, from our board of directors to our staff, to our volunteer team, to our presenters. Everybody comes at this. It is the true definition of peer support. (laughs) Everybody comes at this from the of having walked in these shoes. And because grief doesn't or death doesn't discriminate, um, everybody who's been through this has their own specific um, strength area or gift. You know, if, you know, one of our financial advisors or workshop presenters comes because they are widowed and they also have this expertise level in that aspect. And so we are very, very lucky to be supported by so many wonderful presenters who have either come to camp and experienced it themselves and want to give back or by people who just want to share their experience with um, the, the larger widowed community. How universal do you think the progression is that you've, you know, based on the experiences of your members, do people tend to fit into these progressions almost uniformly? There's variance. I mean, it just depends. It's, it's grief is a very individual experience and we are all very individual human beings. And so something that I might find beneficial early on might not be something that somebody else would even go near because it's not tied to their personality type, or it's not something that they themselves would find comfort in. So there is variance. And we do find people who are within their first year of widowhood who want to attend more of the, you know, further out um, workshops, which is 100% doable. Um, But yeah, for the most part, the experience is, it's not uniform. It's never uniform. It's anything but uniform. (laughs) But um, but it is, there's more that we come together in as far as the timeline goes than what keeps us apart. So so I wonder in this time of separation, whether the camp's effectiveness being virtual versus in person has changed in any way that you've observed. Sure. And I mean, the answer to this is yes. I mean, there's nothing that can replace the in-person connection and understanding that comes from sitting across from another widowed person eye to eye and just seeing that experience on their face and their body language in the words they say. Um, So yes, there is a difference. However, we've come pretty darn close and we're really proud of how we've been able to shift and change with the times. 
we offered two virtual um, editions of the Camp Widow event last year. The first one, we had a seven-day turnaround because the event was canceled um, in early March, right when everything was closing down. And Zoom saved our lives, <laughs> um, but it was uh, it was a great first go. And then in November, we came back, we reevaluated what worked, what didn't, and we really put together a very magical, uh, very close to the real thing, uh, virtual event here for the second go in November. So. So I have a lot of questions around that mm -hmm. and how you managed to pull that off with all of the workshop choices that you have. And I, I don't mean to go from the ethereal to the mundane, but here we go. When you had to switch to virtual, if there are other planners out listening to this right now, what guidance would you give them on the strategy that you took, given the amount of content that you had to pack into what would otherwise be a live event and still make it as engaging for a crowd that, yes, they want to be there, but no, they don't want to be there? Yeah, what a great question. Um, my main piece of advice, two things. First, in the same way you would if you were planning an in-person event, but first and foremost, you have to keep your attendees' needs front and center. Um, in person at Camp Widow, when you are from the moment you arrive to the moment you leave, your needs are attended to in a very specific way. Um, we always are keeping our eyes on the people who are in our care for the weekend, um, and that can be hard virtually, but their needs are still the same. And so when you can approach every aspect of what you're doing when you transition from in-person to virtual, when you can keep those needs, their needs front and center throughout every interaction you have, um, that will serve you really well. Second is to get really comfortable and dirty with the tech, like test, 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 and more tests <laughs> until you're at a point where you can, you feel like if, you know, a curveball comes from left field, you'll be able to handle it in the moment with, in our case, a widowed person or 200 widowed people, as we had in our second event virtually, um, looking at you saying, I need help. So testing and um, keeping their needs front and center. I gather based on the number of sessions and the number of total attendees that you limit the number of attendees per session? No, mm -mm. no, we let them come. They can come in the middle of a workshop. They can leave if they'd prefer to go see something else. It's like that in person. And we certainly didn't want to make them feel locked in um, virtually. And so we did see some people, you know, bouncing around and feeling like, you know, that one wasn't quite what I was looking for. So I'd prefer to go to this one. And so, yeah, it, that was all kind of off the cuff and whatever they needed um, was what we gave them. And how do you finance the event? Do people pay to attend or do you have sponsors? How do you do it? A little bit of everything. Uh, we do. Camp Widow is the only program that Soaring Spirits offers that does have a fee associated with it. Everything else is completely free. And that goes for all of our other virtual programs. Um, but we do have uh, there is a, a registration fee. We do have we're lucky to have sponsors that help us uh, with some of that, the financing that comes with holding events, even virtually. And outside of that, the organization on a camper by camper basis subsidizes every registration because we realize that 
when you lose your spouse or partner, you often lose half your in the blink of an eye. And so in-person events, we, we subsidize every single org, um, registration. And we definitely have some wonderful foundation support um, for grants that help us with some of the exorbitant costs that come with in-person events for, you know, 400 to 500 people. <laughs> what kind of sponsors do you typically get? Anything from some of our speakers who are um, also, like I said, experts in their general areas of expertise. Um, so they will sponsor the event. Um, local communities, uh, community support will come and sponsor from time to time. Some of our, um, like I said, we have foundations that we have developed relationships with that really feel called to support our community. Um, the, the truth of the matter is, though, there's little to no grant money to be found for adults who are grieving. And so we are largely individually funded by our community members on a, an organizational level. Um, it's, it's really hard to find money for, for adults who grieve. Have you thought about going to straight up commercial entities like Uber or other dating services, let's say. Sure, yeah. I mean, if, if you can get us in the room, <laughs> we'll go. Um, you know, corporate sponsorships are hard in and of themselves because it has to be a good fit for the the um, the company. And getting in the room with them can be challenging too, as I'm sure many of the listeners will attest to. But but yeah, I, we, it, we've been unable to find consistent support in that way. We would love, I mean, I can't even tell you how many boxes of tissues that we supply at these events. I'm not kidding. And it's expensive. So we've been trying to get a hold of Kleenex for, and. <laughs> but, but, but the way I'm thinking about it is this, that the corporate sponsor can be a good citizen to a group of people who really need it, but selfishly, the sponsor can also look at this audience and say, it's not just a box of tissues, it's a, a set of services that these people are going to maybe demand more than they would have prior to their loss. Yeah, And that's where my mind went. I, it seems like a, it, it would be a win-win, but it is hard to break down those doors and, and especially on a virtual event. Sure. Which, which brings me to another question. At the virtual event, did you provide a forum for your sponsors to actually hold their own quote unquote sessions, workshops, or maybe 15 minutes here or five minutes before another workshop? How did you give your sponsors value back? Yeah, that's also a great question. And it's, it is a challenging, uh, it's almost more challenging virtually than it is in person for the sponsors to receive benefit from their um, investment. And so we didn't have very many sponsors for our virtual event, but um, one of whom we did um, was there to also, she happened to be uh, widowed herself and she and her company um, ended up sponsoring the event. And so she presented at the event from her widowed space, not from the sponsorship space, but we made sure to um, thank them in email communications to bring them to light during the actual event. 
but it is an area that needs further consideration for long-term repetition of virtual events for sure. Because there's definitely some improvement that we could do in that area, as well as looking forward to the benefit that they receive as well. And I think you could probably use the registration process as a way to gather information that you could provide in aggregate, in aggregate so it's private, back to the sponsor as some value. So they could put a question or two on the form, you send them back the aggregate data and away you go. But again, it does come back to a more engaged relationship between the sponsor and the audience where the sponsor sees that they can serve this group, enhance their corporate social responsibility profile in the process, probably not spend a lot of money but do a lot of good for a little. We are currently hosting an event throughout all of February, and it is in place of our annual Galentine's Day celebration, where we would normally be gathering in person in Simi Valley, where Soaring Spirits is headquartered. And we have the most incredible community support in that area. So I am so so happy to hear and report that our corporate sponsors in Simi Valley really stepped up for this virtual event. And we've seen a great number of them come through, even supporting the organization in this year's virtual edition of Galentine's Day. And it's been wonderful. And so they're getting recognition through mailings that we're sending and other, you know, online stuff. And it's been so heartwarming to see them really stepping up. It is a challenge for all planners. And I Your experience is probably more like most planners than not, and it's compounded by the economy and the state of the pandemic and the fact that we can't have, readily have, certainly not in California, in-person events. Right. And the challenge with doing something like that for us is we want the event to feel less like people are being talked at by folks who maybe haven't been through it themselves. Then, then having somebody like I said, who has an expertise in that area, who also shares that widowed experience. And so there's a very fine balance between are they coming to learn life skills and life, um, you know, those kinds of things that come with losing the person who dealt with all of the car issues or, um, or are they coming to connect with other people who have been through it and, and learn through the process of being together with others who have lived it. You know, it's, it's a challenge. It's a very fine line, but it's, it's a good point for sure. And it, and it might be both. Yeah. And, and there's a story that I tell on a video on our website. When I was a practicing lawyer and writing automobile leasing software at the same time, which is, was my exit from, from the practice I had created a package called Lease Wizard, and it was designed to instruct people on how to lease a car, and it came with a book to teach you how to lease it. But what compelled me to leave the law and go into software was a woman who wrote a letter to me saying, my husband passed away a year and a half ago, he did all the car leasing, and now it's on me, and I was lost, saw your software in Motor Trend, ran the deal through it, and was able to go in and make a deal. But that's not what made me feel good. What made me feel good was the software empowered me to do something I didn't think I could do. It was a simple piece of technology. I I wasn't there in person. 
but how it affected her affected me. And it, and that's why I put the question to you, what about expanding the universe of people who might present, but before they present saying, Hey, here's why you're here. You don't need to say, I feel your pain. You know, you don't need to empathize. You simply need to be informative Mm -hmm. and be a resource. And, and that in and of itself, if your campers or other attendees self-select that vendor would be really engaging in my mind, because you have people who really need that service and somebody who can a feel good about delivering that service and b offer it and benefit from the business side of it. I don't know if you know this, but that video is what I came across when I was looking for event planning manage or event management software. And I found that video and it was, I remember it like it was yesterday. I called our executive director and CEO and I said, oh my gosh, this guy gets it. We need to look at their event management software. And I ended up messaging you on LinkedIn and I said, hey, (laughs) here's what we do. I was so touched by your story of how you left the law and created software. Could we do a demo? And you and I, this was years ago, ended up doing a demo. Grief is a topic that is not discussed. It is discussed behind closed doors and, you know, through the tears of people who are experiencing it because we have such a focused niche in that space that is talked about behind closed doors. When we can find people and partners and technology partners specifically who can understand what this is, especially coming from a widowed place, Uh, It is everything to us. It really is. And I have found through our, you know, I think we're on our second year with Event Squid, but I have found that um, to be true with every staff person we've dealt with, with you guys has been so incredible, so supportive. And we really, really appreciate that. Having a partner in technology is rare to begin with, but especially for an organization like us. Well, thank you for that. That's that's a testament to the crew. And I, I really do appreciate that. I have to ask, do you find that your campers and attendees skew more female or male? So interestingly, uh, it skews exactly in line with the census information on widowed people. So the census consistently shows that 80% of the widowed population is female, while 20% is male. And our camper profiles align basically perfectly with the the national averages. That doesn't bode well for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering if part of your audience would also include family members or close friends of those who are going through that process. Um, That's a wonderful question. And yes, we are all about trying to educate those who support our widowed people. Um, and so at our events, we generally will have a session or two for those who are support folks. I know it is so hard, especially when you don't know how to support someone you love through something that you can't understand. And of course, we hope that you don't have to understand it at some point. But 
um, yes, we do support that. And we have resources on our website as well for anybody who is supporting a loved one who has lost their spouse or partner. And that website would be? <laughs> www.soaringspirits.org. Soaring Spirits is plural. So there is an S on the end of it, but it's .org. Um, we also have campwidow.org which is where we have all of our Camp Widow event information. So uh, Camp Widow is our marquee program. But like I said, I mean, we have a blog that's written every single day of the week by one of our seven widowed um, blog authors, which provides insight and um, experiences from a broad range of people. We have an online message platform that's specifically for those who are widowed where they, they can connect um, outside of you know, the normal social media spectrum and they can connect with their widowed peers. We have 70 regional groups that meet twice per month across the United States, Canada, and even in Ireland. Um, and so those are happening fairly um, virtually right now. It's just, uh, you know, shifting everything takes a little bit of time. Um, so that we really do offer a full spectrum of different ways to help people find their community uh, because it is so important in the rebuilding process and in the healing process to even just here, you're not crazy. You're not, you know, you haven't lost your mind. You just are, you're grieving. And it is because it's not talked about, we don't know what normal grief looks like. How are you doing? <laughs> That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah. Six years down the line, um, it is a completely different picture than it was obviously even, you know, right away, but for sure, within even the first four years, uh, grief takes a really long time and there's no finish line. I'm not, those of you who are listening won't be able to see this, but we, we're on Zoom right now. And, and Michael can see behind me, I have a picture of Cole posted prominently in my office. Um, he still comes with me everywhere in my heart. I still recognize the love we shared. It helped shape me into who I am today. Um, but that goes with the other side of it being that I'm a different person now after his death than I was when he was alive because his death changed me as well. And so reconciling the, the person from before with the person after is what I feel to be the biggest challenge in getting through this six year path that I've been on. And I'm honored and proud to say that through the support of the programs that we offer at Soaring Spirits that I still rely on, even though I'm serving the community, I'm truly in a good place and I'm happy again. And I am looking to the future, which is something that early on, you're either focused on how you feel in the moment or the past. And it is a completely different outlook many years down the line than it was in the beginning. So thank you for asking. Is there a point at which your participants give themselves permission to move on, mm. to look forward? Yeah. I mean, that's going to be different for everybody, but we, instead of, you know, we like to use the, the, the phrase move forward right? Because move on in, indicates that there's, you're leaving it behind when in reality, we're bringing it with us. Um, and studies show that integrating your losses and your challenges in life with where you are right now and what you plan to do in the future 
leads to resilience, better resilience, specifically in the widowed population. We actually do a lot of research on the widowed population as well. So moving forward, people do it in their own, at their own pace, in their own time, in their own ways. But I, I always say that with the caveat of if you're a year out or if you're two years post-loss, even three years post-loss, and you're really struggling with the idea of I should be feeling better by now, or I should be X, Y, or Z, just know that it's normal <laughs> to, to be in the depth of it still even many years down the line, because we don't, we, like I said, we're just not taught how grief especially the grief of a loved one, a spouse, a partner looks. And instead, because we're not taught that, we get a lot of feedback from the people in our lives, be it coworkers, close family members or friends, whoever it is that tell us, oh, you might be hanging on a little bit too long there. Uh, is it A little bit too it- long for their comfort, not yours. Exactly. exactly. Right? And so, and that puts us as the person who's grieving in a really weird position because we are either in that moment catapulted forward to picking ourselves up, you know, standing firmly and saying, you know, I'm actually doing this the best way I can, or to just kind of take it, swallow it and move on and feel really bad about it. So it words are hard because the only way to know is if you've been through it, but it, it we are at a dis- disservice regularly because of the comments we have to come up with <laughs> in the span of a verbal exchange about, is this person somebody I trust? What is our relationship like? What is our relationship like right now? Do I feel like I can confide in them, my true feelings? All of that happens between a question asked or an expression expressed and our response to whatever it is that people say. So it's challenging. You you mentioned bringing that person forward with you. How how do people who are young and maybe going forward into a new relationship keep the person who passed with them without them feeling like they are putting up a barrier in the new relationship? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It can be hard. It takes a very special person (laughs) to join um, the life of somebody who lost their love person from a situation that either was not chosen or was not expected or didn't, you know, over time suffer unraveling. I am so lucky to get to see those relationships firsthand in many of my coworkers and our community members, because there are some incredible people out there that understand that just because I love Cole now today, as much as I did when he was alive, doesn't mean that I can't, my heart can't expand to love somebody else, much like a mother or a father who has more than one child, their heart expands to love that child in the same way as they did their first. It's, it's a, I see your face. <laughs> well, my, my expression is the guilt at what, what I'm, people would, would feel guilty. I would imagine at, or not, or maybe ha- in yeah. order to prevent that feeling, they would have to oh, say, yeah. okay, block, block that. Yeah, no, I mean, it is a complex series of emotions, both for us as the widowed person, as well as the people that we repartner with. 
it, it is not for the faint of heart, <laughs> but it is, it is possible. And the, the beauty and the love that I see that continues down the line is really like heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time, because the new partners often will give space for celebrating the previous partner's birthday, or even giving their partner some space or actively celebrating their, their previous anniversary with their person. Um, there is such an openness and vulnerability and honesty in that kind of love that is, it's kind of like it just sparkles on a hill somewhere <laughs> because it's unlike the love that I ex- experienced with Cole even. So it's possible. And that has to be really empowering, I would imagine, to the widow or widower in that circumstance where you're, and I liked repartner, that's interesting. Your new partner allows you to go through that. That's just great. Do you find that a lot of new partners attend with their campers sure, at sure. your sessions? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's almost, I would suggest everybody <laughs> bring your new partner to camp or even just family members um, because you can, you experience the event through different eyes when you can see it from the perspective of other people who are not your close loved one or family member who are walking the widowed journey, right? When you can see hundreds of other people who are going through the similar things, attending this conference and um, being, you know, rebuilt by a lot of the services and programs that are offered, um, it changes the perspective. I, my brother-in-law um, randomly decided to come. So this is Cole's sister's um, husband decided he wanted to come check out Camp Widow and, and see what it was all about because he wasn't quite sure how, you know, to, to him, it might've looked like I was holding on too strongly, you know, to my, to my love for somebody else. And it was incredible. He came and he experienced it and he left feeling empowered for me in a weird way. Um, and it was really, it meant so much to me that he took the time and energy and effort to come experience it for himself, to make a judgment about my widowhood for himself. Um, that was positive uh, luckily, (laughs) but, um, Yes, we do have new partners come. We have sessions for new partners of widowed people um, so that they can kind of converse amongst themselves and and talk about some of the challenges that come with dating or marrying somebody who's widowed. Um, And it really is a beautiful way to recognize, again, that A, you're not alone, B, there are other people going through it, and C, it is really, really healing to understand from your partner's perspective from other people what this is and what you know the emotional roller coaster and the the breadth of emotions that come with it so and i really like the subtle distinction between move on and move forward because mm-hmm. it seems to me that moving on is leaving it in the past but moving forward accounts for the healing and the reconciliation and the, you know, all of what happened in the past and does allow you to take a measure of that forward. And it becomes the backdrop against which your future actions would be, would be set. So yeah. that's a really, 
I'm going to change my lexicon just because of what you said, well, because it is, I, I, I feel clumsy that I said it. And no, now don't. that you've enlightened the difference to me, it really does make a difference. Mm-hmm. It's subtle, but, but important. Jenny, this, this has been a really wonderful in-depth discussion. We, we only spent a little bit of time on the mundane, which I'm glad about because I think the bigger picture is more applicable to everybody who listens. And at EventSquid, we're privileged that you selected us to curate what is a very important series of events that, that helps so many people. And I know millions of people have been reached through your programs. And I encourage you to go to soaringspirits.org, look at their programs. You may know somebody, it may affect you, but overall, it seems like just a terrifically positive venture, no matter if you go in for one or you go in for 10. And I would just want to thank you for your time today and for what you're doing out in the community. Oh, well, thank you so much for hosting this forum to allow us to share grief and the process of being widowed with other people. We just don't know until we have these kinds of conversations. And it means so much, like I said, having a partner in technology who wants to sit down and have these conversations is incredibly rare. And we are so grateful for you, for your team, and for the tech that you bring to the world. It is so important and essential to the work that we do. It really is. And you built it and you're helping widowed people find one another, which is incredible. So thank you. Thank you. And a big eight armed hug from the squid. (laughs) Thank you. Right back at you. In any event is brought to you by Event Squid. If you're running a conference, meeting, training, or any other type of event, Visit eventsquid.com and learn more about how our software can help you manage everything from registration to virtual event organization. Eventsquid. Thinks like you, works like eight of you. Please join us for our next podcast. And if you know of a guest we should have on, pop over to eventsquid.com, click the podcast menu item, and submit your suggestion. We'll see you next time.